As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with AMB, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landish, joined by Ari Wasserman. We are back after a week off when Ari was at the beach. Ari, you look uh, not refreshed <laughs> coming back from your beach vacation. I don't know if it's because I have a baby or if it's because I'm just old. Um, but my And my body can't handle like beach benders anymore, but I am sick. So... Um, I know we've had some sniffle police as listeners on the show, um, and I can understand why that would be very annoying. So I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that if and when I have anything to do with my nose, I do it away from the mic and as quietly as possible. But please just bear with me because I'm not feeling all that hot. So uh, the good news is, is that Landis, who's got the smoothest voice in Big Ten country, which is now coast to coast, uh, is going to carry the load here. And I'm going to just do my best to stay out of his way. Um a lot happened. I, I took a vacation, Bill, and like half the top 100 committed. So um, <laughs> we got a lot to catch up on, and Ohio State uh, was a part of that, too. So I'm excited to talk about those types of things on the show. Yeah, we're going to uh, catch up on some recruiting things that uh, happened since the last time we did a show. Uh, it was actually only like two weeks ago, but it feels like forever ago. Um, and then we're also going to knock out a bunch of Apple five-star review questions. We really appreciate you guys leaving those reviews, leaving the questions there. Um, and some have been sitting there for a while, so we wanted to make sure to, to catch up on all those. And we will, I, I believe I, I grabbed every single one of them. Um, and if we go through them and I didn't answer your question, uh, please send all concerns to our email inbox or to your house sorry what's your address uh three eight that's actually the first two digits of my address um yeah i'll, I'll wash your car or whatever it is i always yeah, do yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah i mean nice. just actually tweet us because we do we made a promise and we want to keep it so yes. um, if you do feel like your question was missed then just get in touch with one of us and we'll, we'll get it on the show all right um since the last time we did a show uh jermaine matthews committed like right after we've talked about him a lot i don't i don't know if we need to get into that all that much. He committed on July 1st. Um, Miles Walker, a three-star offensive tackle from Connecticut, committed to Ohio State. And I want to table that for a second because we have a couple questions that I think will pertain to that. Uh, the, the big one in the time since we last recorded is Jason Moore, four-star defensive lineman from DeMatha Catholic in Maryland, same high school as Chase Young, the number 53 player in the country. 
uh, a, a player who I, I, I mean, I, he's a top hundred player. I like him quite a bit. I'm not, you know, saying anything noteworthy there. The guy is a really good high school football player. But if I'm not mistaken, Ari, there was a time when, and one of the discussions we've had about what Ohio State could or would or maybe won't be able to do in this 2023 cycle, I think you might have mentioned Jason Moore specifically as a guy that you'd like to see Ohio State land to um, allay maybe some of the concerns or whatever you want to call it you had about Ohio State recruiting in this cycle. So when you saw Ohio State get Jason Moore, what did you think? Uh, that's the ticket. Um, that's I think that that commitment is probably more significant than either of the receivers they picked up a few weeks ago. Um, he got kids six foot six too. Does he have a six pack like Chase did? Same high school. Is he going to come in here? I I, that that I don't know, but probably. Yeah. Um, and it's it also came from a place that Penn State and Michigan recruit very heavily too, right? Like in the in the Maryland area, like that's a very competitive Big Ten territory, you know, recruiting footprint. So, you know, from a position standpoint, obviously huge. The fact that he's a fringe five star prospect on the defensive line, huge. Um. The fact that the defense is trying to overhaul its talent, huge. And, and of course, the fact that he came from a high school that has Penn State, Michigan, Clemson, and all sorts of different coaches walking through there, again, is huge. So, you know, I, I don't know if there's going to become a point where I have to apologize. I don't know if I – like, I, I don't know. Are people expecting that? Um, you know, if you tell me you're the co-host of this podcast. Did I predict they won't? Like, do I need to say sorry, or is it just a theory? No, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we – I think every time Ohio State gets a good commit, people are going to continue to tweet at you. I don't know that you owe anyone an apology, and we certainly don't need to uh, like rehash it every time Ohio State gets a commitment. I, well, I, I mean, this this type. Well, the reason why I brought it up is because this commitment is exactly the type of commitment that you needed to see. You know, yeah, Brian Hartline going out and getting five star receivers. Um, you know, is something that we've just become accustomed to, and it isn't really a an area of great need. And you go in there and get a top five or a top 50 defensive lineman, you know, again, from the second best recruiter on the staff. So, you know, but this is the type of of recruitments that you want to see Ohio State close. And it like looks like that Ohio State legitimately has a chance at signing the number one class in the country, which, you know, and I don't know if they actually will when it's all said and done, but, you know, top three seems pretty inevitable at this point, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if Caleb Downs joins, which seems like a pretty good shot of that happening. Um, So I was the theory that I, that I created and floated on this podcast will not come true. I think like that, this commitment kind of ended any, you know, thoughts of that happening. Yeah. I think, I think this is, um, I think it's important in that way for sure. I I, I think it, it is, it's funny. You, you mentioned and kind of compared it to the receivers because I actually had down here and I wanted to ask you like, is this the, is this the, most impressive win so far of this cycle because I, I I think it is I think the only other one maybe you you put up against it is Carnell Tate because of all the stuff that was out there with like Tennessee and the mm-hmm. NIL stuff and whether or not Ohio State was going to be able to compete with that and like with, they got him the 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 specifics of that I, I I don't know but they got him and people were concerned about getting him so that that was a big win too but I still think this is this is bigger. Um, they beat Penn State they beat Notre Dame I think more importantly I, I think there were there were times throughout. Jason Moore's recruitment where people thought he was going to go to Penn State and people thought he was going to go to Notre Dame. I I believe even he had the crystal ball uh, predictions to Notre Dame Um, and then Ohio State, which has gone back and forth with Notre Dame for the number one spot in the class rankings for like the last month, um, got a head to head win over Notre Dame to to get Jason Moore. So so that makes it important, too. Um, It's it comes at a time where, you know, the last couple of years we talked about Larry Johnson and, and his you know, impending retirement, whenever that is, like it's going to happen. Um, and, and whether or not that impacts him negative negatively on the recruiting trail, his last two classes before this one were really good. And he just got Jason Moore. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't like, I, I put up a thing for a mailbag, um, that I'm going to write later this week. And there were quite a few questions about like Larry Johnson's retirement and like how Ohio state's working against that. My answer is like, I don't know, pretty good because <laughs> it doesn't seem like the defensive line recruiting is, has taken a step back. If any, if, if anything, I think it's taken a step forward kind of after the 18, 19, 20 classes, which I didn't think were that good, uh, 21, 22, and now 2023 with Jason Moore in the fold, maybe we get Mateo Uyanga the lay. Um, they're going to try to flip, flip Keon Keeley. I don't know if they will. Um, they're in on the top 100 tackle, John Walker, who, I don't know, might stick stick closer to home. 
but I, I think they're in a decent spot with defensive line recruiting. And for for as much as we, I guess, you know, pump them up for getting Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate and, you know, uh, every other good offensive player they get, you want to see them do it on the defensive side more. So to, to get a guy like Jason Moore, a top 100 player in the country, I think without a doubt makes it the, the most impactful commitment to date in this class. And now Ohio State has six top 100 players committed in their yep. in their class. I believe that's And I think yeah. off the top of my head, they signed eight last year, and they probably have seven more to go. So if they can sign four more top 100 players out of the next seven commits, um, they would have 10, which is the benchmark to me of like the upper echelon of um, elite recruiting. So, you know, and I think that's within the realm of possibility, especially if Caleb Downs joins the class and you add another five star to the mix. Um, their average player rating is pretty high. Um, you know, you want to see some more, you know, like we're, we're downs would help in the secondary and stuff, but mm-hmm. it turns out to be a, a normal, really good Ohio state class. And I just, uh, you know, they're unbreakable. I guess there's nothing that could go wrong ever. So, um, Go Bucks! Yeah, I mean, I they did it. I mean, I think that there is a, depending on how this all maps out, a discussion to be had about whether or not this is the most impressive recruiting result of Ryan Day's tenure. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if that, like, the fact that this is happening, you know, they had a few classes that were ranked higher than Urban Meyer classes, right? So you have that. You have the recruiting job that he did when he first took over to keep the assembled Garrett Wilson class when Urban Meyer retired assembled. And now you have this. It's like, I don't know what you think he's done the best as a recruiter, as a head coach, but those are three major pillars on his resume for proficient recruiting in tough situations. And I think that he's done a pretty good job of it. So, yep. you know, you know, there were, there have been some questions about whether or not this program is headed directly in the, in the, in the direction that people hoped it would be. And I understand that because last year didn't go that well, but with the way that this, this program is recruiting right now, you know, and we've been saying it for a decade, but you know, it just seems like, you know, and you combine this group with the the groups, the the last two groups. I mean, they're going to win a national title, I think. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's just like they're good. So, this is entertaining. <laughs> you know, I, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, twenty. I mean, yeah. Twenty 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 one was their best class by player average, like in in the modern era. Twenty two, I, I think, was still a very good class, um, even if it wasn't quite that good. Twenty three is shaping up to be on par, if not better than than twenty two, and and maybe a little closer to what twenty twenty one looked like. There, but there are, like, they're not done. They're still Caleb Downs is still out there. Um, they still don't have any linebackers. Like Tacka Curtis, I think is is a guy that they're in in a battle for with with Wisconsin and USC. Um, I still think they need another offensive tackle, and again, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, we'll see whether or not they they can get another running back if they want to take another running back, maybe another tight end, um, and then probably two more defensive linemen. But if you just like run through their top targets, so Caleb Downs, Mateo Uyunglele, Taka Curtis, those are all three top 100 guys. Jelani Thurman is a tight end that they're waiting to hear a decision on. I believe he announces this weekend. He's like a top 150 guy, so – there's there's an opportunity there for them to add a lot more quality to this class to bump up that national player average to add potentially a couple more top 100 players to add maybe another five star or two with Mateo and, and Caleb Downs so um, it's not to say they're going to hit all of those but even if they hit a couple of them then then I think you're right I think you you put this up against um, really any recruiting job I think that that's happened here in the last 10 15 years because of how much that world has changed in the last 12 months. And some of the the um, adjustments that I think Ohio State had to make to make sure that they didn't lose any ground. Well, you you also made a napped point a few months ago when we were talking about um, my theory, um, what is called the embarrassment theory. Uh, but you said that their their uh, basement for the the players in their class this year is a little bit higher than it used to be. And yeah. when you look at this class, you know the first half of the class that committed was all like four star prospects, basically that. Um, or three-star prospects that were in the bottom half of what they're usually getting, but the lowest-rated prospect in Ohio State's class is in the top 500. And I don't know off the top of my head when the last time that happened was, but I'd venture to say that it's been a while. Yeah, I actually, I actually meant to look that up, and I forgot because I'm bad at my job. But I think you're right. I don't, I don't, and I know people don't think about Ohio State recruiting in those terms, like top five, top 500, whatever. It's really good quality. I mean, there's, there's. Two guys are in the 400s, one guy who's in the 300s, and everyone else is rated higher than that. And even like Miles Walker, I I think has a shot to be a four-star prospect. Um, 
Will Smith, I don't know. I think Will Smith will probably stay a three-star prospect. I just looked it up, dude. It was 2021. <laughs> Last year, really? 22 the 2021 ago? class, the lowest rated player in that class was, um, I guess if you count Jesse Murko, I don't count him because he's a punter. Yeah, I wouldn't count but that Jalen Johnson was 416. Okay, okay. But even then, like, if you want That was the greatest that, class Ohio State's ever signed yeah, on paper, though. Right, so Right, so this is kind of in that in that same company. Um but even like in 2020, they had a bunch of guys who were ranked outside the five. I think they probably had like five or six guys who were outside the top 500. Yeah, in that class, or at least outside the top 400. So if you so, add, if you if you combine that with 10 top 100 players, regardless of how you slice it, that's a really good class. Yeah, I think I think by and large they're they're doing a really good job this cycle. Um, I didn't mention quarterback. We're still waiting to see what happens with quarterback. To Austin Novosad, who is their top target, uh, just picked up a Notre Dame offer. Um, I don't know. I. I, like is the longer that drags on, Ari, like I'm, I'm kind of inclined to believe he might stick with Baylor. I, like, what? How do you feel about that? I mean, I talked to him last week or a week and a half ago, and it was really hard to read. I mean, he was wearing a Baylor necklace and you know had his Baylor stuff on, and that means nothing for a teenager. But he didn't seem overly inclined to like gush about Ohio State. So you know, in terms of of where he or Brock Glenn end up, like it doesn't seem like either of them is going to be a Buckeye. You know, so, you know, and, and yeah. you know, that stuff changes in the drop of a, of a, you know, snap of a finger, right? Like, all of a sudden, you got 19 crystal balls coming in for Ohio State on some random Thursday night, and, and he's in the class. But as things stand right now, looks like Ohio State's on the outside looking in on, on both of those. Now, I don't know if I said this on this podcast, but a, a player that I, I would be interested to see if Ohio State gets involved with is J.J. Cole out of Iowa. Mm. Did I say that on the show already? I think maybe we discussed him briefly last time, yeah. Because he looked awesome, and he's the exact type of player that that Ohio State could use in a in a class like this, where he's not necessarily lighting the world on fire from a ranking standpoint, but also um, is a really good player. And I thought he looked awesome at the Elite Eleven. So, you know, there's other options out there, um, and I'm very curious to know if if there's a certain point where Ohio State will just punt on the position altogether. I don't know if they can or not. Like, it's, is it your opinion that they can? Well, the the thing I think they shouldn't do is just like to take a, take a guy just to take one. So, I I think like the the two that they've been on Austin Novosad and Brock Glenn, I think are are good enough for Ohio State to recruit. JJ Cole, I think I I would put in that mix. There's there's probably a couple others, most of whom will require a flip. Ohio State is certainly capable of that, but like if they don't feel like it's worth it or they just don't think they can get the door open in the way they need to. Like, I don't, I don't want to see them take like some kid who like has absolutely no shot of playing here. Just like wait and see how the quarterback dominoes fall. And if you feel like you need a backup in 2023, then just get one out of the transfer portal. Like that, that, that's what, that's what Ohio State I think should be using the transfer portal for. Like that, or like addressing like clear needs when you need a starting caliber player. Um, I, I don't think they should be in the business of taking guys out of high school just to fill a spot if they don't really believe in them. Um, that they could eventually be starters at Ohio State. So um, if they don't get a quarterback in the cycle, I don't think it's the end of the world. I understand the urgency that they feel. I don't. I don't know that I agree with it totally, but I, I kind of I get where they're coming from. Um, I just wouldn't take one just to take one. So doesn't it kind of seem like they dragged the ass a little bit on on quarterback in this class? It's like if it's such a. It doesn't seem like the actions of how they approached recruiting the quarterback position from the beginning of the cycle match the urgency that we feel now. Yeah, I think that's right because like all, all of a sudden it's like oh they offer offer Austin Novosad and it's like oh they need a quarterback in this cycle it's like okay well like where, where was, was that, this like, line six of thinking months earlier, six months yeah. ago yeah and I guess they did like they were they were very much after Dylan Lonergan who just committed to Alabama um, they were in on Chris Vizina the kid who's committed to Clemson uh, Jackson Arnold who committed to Oklahoma so like I, I think they did try to press a couple guys and just couldn't get them um, but they still I guess. They just don't cast a wide net ever, and and maybe they didn't want to buck that trend with this class. I, I suppose that's a good thing, um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't it didn't feel like until about a month ago that this was like an urgent need of theirs. And, and if it was, maybe they should have been. And it might have been Dante Moore's decision, but it feels like they weren't even involved in that recruitment at all. Yes, I think that was probably more on the Dante Moore side than it was on the Ohio State side. Yeah, um, for whatever reason, like whatever. Not every kid has to go to Ohio State. Um, he's going. He committed to Oregon, right? He Dante did. Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Dante Moore didn't want to come to Ohio State. Whatever. He didn't go to anywhere in the Big Ten. 
Uh, well, at least not yet. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't we'll a, he's flipping the Michigan joke. That was a, no, that, that was, was a conference a, expansion joke. Was a conference expansion joke. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I can't I can't quite figure out what they're going to do there because I I agree with you. I don't I don't feel all that strongly they're going to get Novasad or Glenn. So then where do they go from there? And I also I, I think it usually feels like, like situations like that like happen fast. And the fact that it hasn't happened fast. You know, like I thought yeah. Novoslav would like commit to Ohio State like the week after he got his offer. So did I. So did I. Um, and that's why I that the, that's why I feel like it, he could stick with Baylor just because he hasn't done it. He's a Texas A and M legacy, I guess, and he has their offer. Notre Dame offered, um, like I said, but I don't know. I think it's probably either Baylor or A and M for him. Brockland, I don't know, but I don't feel all that great about it being. Ohio. I just feel like either one of these guys would be committed already if they were going to go to Ohio State. Um, so we'll see what they do in that cycle. And I, I also don't I don't think that there's any I have not seen this like reported much, but I think it's just the natural thought progression. I don't have any reason to believe like Dylan Rayola is going to reclassify to twenty twenty three either. I don't I don't think Ohio State would want that to speed up his clock that way. Um certainly it didn't work out the last time it happened, but it's not even really about comparing it to the Quinn Ewer situation. I just think you want some, some separation between these guys you have in your program and the guys coming in. So yeah, I, I think I'd be surprised if that happened. So looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, um, let's get into some Apple five-star review questions. Um, there's f- The first three here are like basically all related. I think maybe only one of them came in um, after Miles Walker committed, and it seemed like maybe things were trending in the wrong way for Olaus Allen, and there's been no traction really whatsoever with Samson Okunlola. So uh, I guess – I guess maybe I'll read all three of these and then we can kind of talk about the topic sort of in general. So uh, the first one was from RJ. Uh, He said, I know the plan is to take a quarterback every year and understand the importance of it, but that doesn't mean I agree with it. We need to allocate those resources to help recruiting elite offensive tackles. Our offense has been rolling like a MF is what he wrote Uh, since Ryan day took over. It shouldn't be this hard to recruit those guys. I don't know, man. I just don't get it. What is really going on? Uh, C Brock said, Justin Fry seems to have some of the same trouble bringing in top national tackles that Greg's do was having. Uh, even though Fry seems much more interested in recruiting than Stud was. Is this just a football perception or program perception issue rather than a coach issue that will need to be changed through development and Lyman going high in the draft for big-time tackles to uh, come to Columbus? And then Jeremy said, I know you've said you're not worried about them pulling a top Lyman in this class. Shouldn't there be a real urgency for a surefire tackle in 2023? Um just, I guess I'll address like all RJ. the same question. Like, uh, yeah, you just yeah. Read this, well, yeah. Uh, the the one thing I will say, like R, RJ kind of preface it like uh, as if like paying attention to quarterback recruiting is taking away from offensive tackle recruiting. I don't, I don't believe that that's that's the case. Yeah. Um, it, it takes up a lot of oxygen. I understand that, but but I don't think they're recruiting quarterbacks at the expense of recruiting offensive tackles. Uh, that said, I think I think all concerns here are are fairly valid. And I, I don't know. We've, we've talked about it a ton already. Like I, I still come back to, it's going to be difficult for Ohio State to win these battles until they start producing first round tackles. Yeah, I know. And people who don't understand how much power there is in NFL draft numbers, like by now, it's just like that's that's it. That's the blueprint. Why do you think that Ohio State's got so many receivers? Because they keep yeah. seeing that um, you know these guys are are going in the first round. So. 
you know, and it just seems weird to me that Ohio State could recruit at such a high level and have such a hard time, you know, getting those types of players. But it's just like, when's the last time Ohio State's had a elite level offensive lineman in state? Has it been since Paris Johnson? Paris was the last one. They've had some, like, uh, I think Tegra Chabot was a pretty good one. Top 200 yeah. guy. Um, Luke Montgomery. But the types of guys that we're being asked about right now, I think, you know, and the, the last like, five star tackle was Paris. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at their targets right now, and it's like Pancake Honcho apparently is like all over Miami now. Uh, it seems like Miami's going to get him. And um, they're going to start calling Olaf's. him Life Wallet, Life Wallet Honcho. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> is that what? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Whatever Life Wallet is, I mean, it's it's really, I mean, they must have just instituted it last week because <laughs> I feel like the entire top 100 committed to Miami in the last seven days. Um, or maybe Mario Cristobal is just a badass recruiter. How about that? There's a chance, right? I think um, he's a really good recruiter. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was Antonio Morales and I were on Stars Matter last week um, when you were on vacation, and so it was a, it was in the four to six feet. So I hope people listen to it. Um, but Antonio said like Mario's a great recruiter. He doesn't know about Mario; it's a developer. But if you just keep bringing in a, a top 100 guys, it's it's weird how suddenly you become a good developer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's. Uh, and then the, I can't pronounce this guy's names. Uh, Olaus Allenin. Did I yeah. say it right? Uh-huh. Is he all over Alabama now? So it's just like, I don't know. Or Miami, too. I mean, everyone's Miami. Let's just put it that if, way. If Miami, because you know, Miami just got Francis Maui Goa, right? And yep. if they're going to get Samson Okunlola, then that's, that's three pretty wild names. Maybe they don't get Olaus Allenin. Um, but then I think. Olaus probably still has Alabama above Ohio State would be my guess. Is he is he German? Because his first name strikes me as like a beer pub. He is Finnish. Oh, yeah, but he plays in Connecticut. Yes, Connecticut. I believe it's Connecticut, and Samson is in Massachusetts. And Ohio State just got a different offensive tackle from Connecticut. Yes. Okay, I'm trying to do Google Maps here. Finland to Germany. How far is that? Close enough. I mean, if it's in Europe, it's close, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a 27-hour drive. It's not that bad. That's, I've done that, yeah. <laughs> You've got to go through Latvia and Lithuania. Plus, you can, get on the, you can get on the Autobahn, and there's no speed limit. So Yeah, is that where it is? <laughs> you, can knock, you can knock that out in 20 for sure. There's a, there's a long road that goes over a body of water, and that road looks bigger than the United States. So I don't know how that works, but I would love to drive over that with you. I'd be Do you think they have like service stations? I don't know. I'm uh I don't know if I I'm not good. I don't like bridges. If, if you drove from Helsinki to to um what's this country? I can't even see Estonia. Like there's <laughs> like a there is a like a four hundred mile bridge. I, I don't even know how this is how this works. There's gotta yeah. be a YouTube documentary about this. I think I've seen it. There's like I think there's like it's like a, it's like the Chesapeake Bay Bridge on steroids. It's like a bridge and then a tunnel and then a bridge and then a tunnel. I don't know if I can handle it. Helsinki, Finland to It's just I'm just I, I honestly I'm like obsessed with uh this is an eight okay, it's not that far. It's an eighty seven <laughs> kilometer bridge. But that's, that's still, still a long far. way. I mean, long. like that's a seventy-mile bridge. Yeah, is that right? That's good. good uh, not, it's something like that. I know that kilometers are a little bit less than miles, right? So, yeah. One time we drove. I would, to that's Toronto. my life goal is for me and you to drive on a seventy-mile bridge together. One time we drove to Toronto, and then once we crossed the border, everything was in kilometers, and I had no idea how far away I was from anything. And my GPS wasn't working because I didn't have cell phone service in that country. <laughs> it was Isn't like a kilometer like one point four miles? I mean, a 1.4 kilometers is a mile or something like that. Sure, 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 sure. (laughs) No idea. If you you know the metric system, uh, hit 4 to 6 AB at gmail.com. I just want to know if there's like a, if there's like a, I don't know, like a Burger King or something on the, on the road there. Like what it's 70 miles is a long time that I have any rations, you know? You probably get a mean fish sandwich. (laughs) You get a Roy Rogers out there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was in Florida. I was in Florida last week, and I went to Wawa. What'd you get? Uh, I was with Britt, so I had to be on good behavior and get anything good. But she thought that the place didn't look very good, and it bothered me. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like she's a healthy person, and like yeah. I get it, but don't say something sucks if you don't eat the cuisine they're serving. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I told. It's like you've never had a hoagie before, or you've never eaten a hoagie because you're gluten free. So don't tell me that it's a shitty place if you don't understand the cuisine. That's what I told her. Love that. Thank you for standing up for Wawa. I appreciate it. It's like I don't go like seaweed sucks. I just I just don't eat it. You know, like <laughs> maybe seaweed is great, but. You know they have uh, they have the the croissant pepperoni melts. Have you ever had one of those? I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those hit those hit hard. Wawa is a uh, Wawa is I think has better quality food than Sheets. Sheets has more variety, but Wawa is upping its variety more and more. So I think it's still top of the top of the food. Yeah, chain. it's like weird to me too because I like the food that's under the heat lamp by the register. Oh, I, I every time I go there, I get the breakfast sizzly from the right by the register. Give me a pork roll, egg and cheese on a bagel. Yeah, all yeah, it's, and it's all good. Like it's right there all by day. the register. And they got the chicken That's nuggets right. that I really like. And I, I mean, Wawa shits on sheets, but we don't have to have this discussion for the nine thousandth time. Jalapeno cheddar pretzel. Yeah. Uh, back to offensive tackle recruiting. Ohio State has not had a first round tackle since Taylor Decker. Before that, it was Orlando Pace. Before any of these, like everyone knows who Orlando Pace is, but like I don't know if that's a thing that resonates with kids who are currently in high school. So I think Ohio State has to start generating, like even second round tackles. I think their last second, Taylor Decker was their last first rounder, and I think their last second round tackle was Mike Adams. Um, Nick Petit Frere was a five star kid who came here and became, was a third round pick. And that's not to say you need to turn all your five stars into first round draft picks because it's difficult. But I think they need this, these prospects need to see some better draft production for Ohio State's offensive tackles. Thayer Munford went in the seventh round um, after starting here for four years, three of them at left tackle. So I just think it needs to be, be – one thing has to come first, I think, um, and that is the development. And listen, Paris Johnson might be a first-rounder. Maybe that's what they, maybe that's the kick that they need, and that will help them moving forward. And I think maybe it could be. Um, but in the meantime, I think it's going to be difficult for them to, to bring these guys in on a consistent basis. All that said, like, I don't... It would be funny if Paris Johnson was the kick in the pants they needed to get a five-star in recruiting and then was a kick in the pants that helped them, you know, change their draft uh, status. But I know for sure if you played that game with Alabama's offensive line recruits, it would be a much different story. Yeah. But it's like also, too, it's just like how much is it the NFL? It's like, does Miami have a ton of awesome first-round trackles? You know what I mean? Like, they're losing battles to to schools, you know, for some of these guys that don't also have the same NFL. But I don't think it's because... Only the NFL. I just think that Ohio State doesn't have the NFL trump card in, in these cases, and that makes it hard to close on every recruitment like they do in other positions. I think that's right. I think like sometimes like the Miami is going to throw a lot of money at recruits. Like and and I and we have an NIL question I think in here too. Um, that's going to happen. You might lose battles that way. And I think that's frustrating. I think an equalizer for Ohio State is its development, and it's a little tougher to sell at this particular position for for Ohio State at the moment. But the, that could be changing very soon. Um, I don't. I, I think it's unfair or early maybe to have any kind of concerns about Justin Fry. How do you feel about that? I think it's too early. I, I, no. Yeah. And I think I mean, he, what do people think he was going to do? Come in here and get Francis. You know what I mean? Just come in three months in not having a first round pick since Taylor Decker and to start slamming five star prospects from all over the country. Right. I, like, I, I know that, that there was a correction from, from uh, stud, but like, it takes time. And he got the three in-state guys, which was also like not a given with with stud either. Um, I think you only get so much credit for that, but you do get some credit. So he got those three. Um, he hasn't gotten like the big fish tackle. I understand that. Um, I think Miles Walker is interesting. I'm not going to like sit here and tell you like, don't worry about it. They got Miles Walker. He's going to be awesome. I personally like him. I'm not going to tell you that you have to like him either or, or like him also. Like you're you're allowed to be concerned, I think, with – or at least on alert, I guess, for, for the trends and tackle recruiting. Um, but Justin Fry could also be like a kick-ass developer. Like maybe he turns guys like Miles Walker into, you know, a really quality starting tackle who gets drafted highly. And, and maybe he does the same with like Austin Saraveld on the interior. Like it's it's hard sometimes with offensive linemen. Um, it's such a developmental position. It's so different from high school to college. The guys, like like bodies change so much at that position um, that I think, I think the evaluation of five stars is a little different there. And that's why they're, I think by and large, there are fewer of them than there are compared to other positions. Um, 
So I I don't get super, super caught up in it, but I understand wanting, this, wanting to see more of them than Ohio State has gotten over the last couple of years. Uh, question from Pete Rock. He said, name one person in America who has more regret about a decision than Urban Meyer not taking the USC job after leaving Ohio State when he surely could have had it and instead took the Jacksonville Jaguars job. Do you know who Pete Rock is? No. He's a hip-hop producer. I just didn't know if you were going to catch the reference. Oh, no, no. I, yeah, me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. So you never know. You, you're from Philly. I, uh, you know, sometimes you have a, uh, some knowledge on things that uh, I wouldn't expect you to, but That's true. I just didn't know if you were going to get that reference. And I don't even remember what the question was. Is the Urban Meyer question where he does he regret not taking the USC job? Yeah. Um, probably, probably, maybe. I don't know. I don't think... Uh, the I don't question know that he was would have gotten higher. Dude, that's that? the thing. Like, I don't think it was a layup that USC would have hired him. That's what I was. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think. It was the question was asked in a way where it was like, of course, USC would have hired Urban Meyer. I was like, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, I think would have worked out better for him. I think if he would have just taken the USC job. Uh, Cer- certainly, <laughs> he'd probably still be employed. Yeah. He'd still be employed, and they might be recruiting really well. Um. I don't know like where he's at in life though. So, you know, that's the thing. Like with, I don't think that urban Meyer sits at home and bangs himself on the chest saying, why did I not take the USC job? That might not have been available. Like, yeah, I think, I don't know. Like we are going to have this conversation and, you know, for years until if, and when it happens. But like, I do think I have this like weird suspicion that he's going to get back in the game at some point. Like, I don't think he's going to be done. He can't go out like this. The person that we know, he's not just going to sit at home and, and, and let that be the last thing for on his legacy. Do you agree with that? I think, um, yeah, I think, I think I agree with his, the, his motivational side of it. I, I'm, I don't know if a job that he would want would be willing to hire him. Yeah. The employable discussion, but if he goes back on TV, you know, reminds people, he knows a lot about football two years go by. He'll get hired. Yeah. I think that, I mean, Dude, there's people trying to hire Art Bryles every other year. Yeah, and the guy right. was, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, right, and and he did unforgivable things. So, like this, I'm not saying that anything that I that Urban did is something that I would have done or that I condone. I'm just saying on the level of actions a person has done uh, and then gotten hired after, I don't think it's a ten out of ten. No, I don't. I, I think that's right. And I, I think, you know, listen, they've winning matters more than anything <laughs> in college football and urban's won a lot in, in college football. So I think, but I it might be interesting because the, there be interested in him. The jobs that you always say with urban are like, we're Notre Dame in Ohio state. You know, I don't even know Penn state was one apparently before he took the Ohio state job. I don't know if that's true anymore. It's just like, I don't know when that opening would even come. So when you say jobs that urban would want, you know, USC doesn't seem like it's going to be a possibility anytime soon. I would not be surprised, and this is me talking completely out of my ass, but I feel like Texas would hire him. Yeah. First of all, that's I feel like he would take the Texas job. This is an important uh, caveat to uh, any um, aggregators who might come across us. We're just talking. We're not uh, reporting anything. We're just throwing shit against the wall. I saw like uh, they had a, a conversation on Buckeye Talk about like Urban would Urban ever go back and coach Bowling Green and like someone turned that into a news story. I was like Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Yeah, here? it's a long summer. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a. Um, but, no, we're just bullshitting about something because we got asked a question. So I, I, to me, if you look at the landscape of college football, it's like what are the top ten jobs in America, and which of the jobs is most likely to come open sooner? Like I think that Texas is probably the shortest gap between where they are right now and where they could be in two years or a year. And I think that's a, an attractive job. And I guess maybe it's going to be in the SEC. And I don't know how much he wants to coach in the SEC again. But he doesn't have to rely on recruiting the state of Florida. It's like an Ohio State type place. And he's in a talent rich state. I think he could win there. What about Auburn? I don't know that he'd want that headache. Doesn't want the Saban deal every year. I also don't think that Auburn is a big enough job for him. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he ever is going to be in a position where he he has to um, change his standard of what jobs would be good enough for him. You know, like I never thought we'd have that discussion, but you know, maybe he will be in a place where like, he'll have to take an Auburn like job, you know? Um, Yeah. I don't think that he could handle losing to Alabama. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I don't. I don't. I think. I think playing Alabama once every three years in the playoff is a far more reasonable thing for him to want to do than have to like go into the same state as Saban and beat Saban. Especially if a bid build there would take two or three years of him getting his ass kicked. You know. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's not. I guess out like the state of Alabama has a really good high school class this year, but it's not typically that great. And you'd um, have to go recruit Florida, which I know he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Because Alabama's I, number one recruiting territory is Florida. I just think, uh, for all those reasons, I, I I think he's done. I just I think like a, too much has changed in the last five years for him to jump back into it and kind of be what he was. Um, but I, I wouldn't. I would never close the door on it because he's. I mean, he has his health issues for sure, but he, relatively, he's not that old. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, and maybe Steve Sarkeesian will win a national title in Texas in two years, and then it will never be a discussion again. But to me, of all the schools that I could make up, Texas seems like the best fit to me. High enough profile, good enough situation, clearest path to winning big. Well, um, couldn't he have of, had that? Couldn't he have had that job, and he didn't take it? No, I know, but I'm sure his perspective, her, his perspective, which is what the question was about, has changed since he like yeah. went out. He could have had that job, but he wanted to do the NFL now, but it doesn't mean he doesn't want to come back to college and go out on a high note. Mm-hmm. I could see him being the coach somewhere, you know, for five to six years, somewhere new, winning a national championship or, or, or winning a bunch of games and, and rebuilding that program and then and then going off into the sunset. So that the last thing that uh, isn't on his resume as a coach is kicked dude and nuts, uh, kick, kick, kicker and nuts kick, at practice. Kicker. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't think, I don't think he allegedly like, kicked him in the nuts. No, did I, it wasn't a, what did he do? I don't know. He kicked think, him somewhere. I, and uh, allegedly it's like, think about like being a national championship winning coach at multiple places and having three trophies and dedicating your life to the game. And then like the one thing that everybody thinks about you is like your disastrous tenure as the Jaguars head coach. Yeah. It's like that would kick, like, that would not kicker, sit well yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question from Jay Clapp. Uh, this is you're up your alley, Ari, and I think maybe we discussed a little bit last week when or two weeks ago when the realignment news first hit. But uh, he asks, how does the addition of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten impact national the national recruiting landscape? Does it help or hurt the Buckeyes in their search for elite talent nationwide? I don't think it changes anything. Does it you? make them any more of a player in California? I don't know how they could be any more of a player than they already are, though. That, that's the thing. It's just like, may, what you think that one more California recruit that reaches the standard of like what they want is going to consider them more than they would have already? Like it might. Like the, the yeah. question I, I want to know is like, do you think that the entire state of California becomes a fertile territory for the rest of the Big Ten? And I still don't think it changes much. It's like, what do you think? Like Nebraska and Indiana and Purdue are going to start recruiting SoCal? Like, I still think that there's one thing that you can't change. That's the geographical setup on God's green earth. And, you know, I don't know if like some kid from California who um, is a three-star prospect with offers from Pac-12 schools in Purdue and Texas A&M or whatever, is just going to be like, you know what, I'm going to go to Purdue because I might play one away game in my career in L.A. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think that stuff is overblown sometimes. And it's like the easiest first headline that you can come up with anytime something like this happens. Like, how is this going to impact recruiting? It's like the answer is it's okay for it to be like it's not, you know? Yeah, I think I think some of the recruiting impact or the, maybe the most recruiting impact happens out west to programs that are in what is now the shell of a Pac-12. I don't know if it has a, a negative impact on the Big Ten do I think you, it helps USC and UCLA. I think it hurts the other Pac-12 schools, but I don't know that yeah. it has any impact whatsoever on anybody who was already in the Big Ten. What about having to play defense against USC or UCLA now in the Midwest if those programs feel like they have a reach there? Maybe. But, like, you've been covering recruiting in Ohio for a long time. You know a lot of those four-star prospects that grew up in Mentor that that are going to go play in, in California and be sold by the idea that they get to play in Ohio once every three years? Like, I, I, I don't no. know, like, what like what is it that the only sales pitch, I guess, that I would consider as something that's changing is that there seem to be, as a college football program, on the, um, sorry, we're on the plane to two super conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like that's the path that we're on. And there's two types of programs right now, ones that are already in those conferences that are set up to do that and ones that are, it's like, you're either in or you're out. And I feel like if you're out, you're kind of in a uncertain place which can impact your recruiting in a negative way because people don't like uncertainty they like stability um 
and then you could be like one of the teams that hit the lottery that's in the right place at the right time and is a part of those super conferences that has no business being in there in the first place. And all of those things, it's like there are probably properties that are more valuable football properties that aren't in the Big Ten or the SEC right now that are worth more than the Vandys, right, or the Purdue's. Am I, you know what I mean? Like how many, yeah. like Washington and Oregon are, are far more desirable properties from a football product than those schools I just mentioned or Rutgers or Maryland. And it's like Rutgers and Maryland are in the Big Ten and Oregon's like on the outside looking in. The only thing that has an impact, and it's like crazy to me because Dante Moore committed to Oregon like three days after that news broke. Yeah, I wondered if there would be – I mean, I'm sure Oregon is recruiting against that perception, but maybe – I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of of the belief that like they'll eventually be in the Big Ten. I know like things have kind of like slowed down a little bit, um, but expansion's not over. I think it's just maybe on pause for a little bit, and I think when it ramps back up, Oregon is probably not going to be in the Pac-12. So maybe that's an easy conversation to have with a kid like Dante Moore. Yeah, I guess. you know, But it's like crazy because the way that it's set up right now, they're leaving in 2024, and that might be the first year he's a starter there because he gets there in 23. Yeah. So you're going to go be like the first year as a starter at Oregon. Dante Moore is committed under the pretenses. If nothing changes, that he's just going to be in the pack eight. The pack and it might not happen that way, but like, you know, you're talking about a five-star quarterback here, and it's like what's more desirable to you as a fan? Or, I mean, if you were a five-star prospect or a dad with a five-star son, would you rather play at Purdue in the Big Ten or play at Oregon outside of the Big Ten? And I think that might be a discussion that people might be having. Do you want to be in the Super Conference or do you not? Well, that's interesting. That I mean, that I've wondered that too, and that would certainly change your reality for a lot of programs in the Big Ten for the better, I think. Um, even if you're asking those questions, like that's of course, yeah. Like, no one I just don't know now. geographically if you overcome. Like, like it's like yeah, right. I think that the impact on recruiting is more so of being in versus out rather than oh wow, there's a team in California on our schedule now. I don't think that matters at all. Yeah. Um, and to get back to the point of the question, like I, I just don't, I don't think it, I don't think it does anything to negatively impact Ohio State. It might mildly improve their situation a little bit if it's like I don't know one level easier to recruit in California now. But besides that, I don't, I don't yeah. think anything crazy. Uh, I, I pulled a question about conference scheduling that is like out of date because it was asked before all this realignment stuff. So I'm going to skip that. Um, Why don't you question, give the guy the, the name of the person his due though? I, I, yeah. <laughs> what, um, I think it's Hajmi Jim. I think <laughs> that's a his bunch name. Of, it's a bunch of letters in a row. H-A-J something. Hajmi Jim. Okay. I don't want to say it out loud because I thought maybe it could be like a swear word in the foreign language. I don't think that it is. If it's a swear word in a foreign language, then, you know, sometimes you hear the bear and sometimes you get eaten. You know what I mean? This show's already had an international flavor anyway, so we're all good. Hush. Quick uh, question from Trevor Buck 24, um, because I had mentioned that Pat Narduzzi was at Ohio State's camp uh, a couple weeks ago. The question was, is it common for other coaches to attend camps of other teams, especially Power 5 coaches? Are they invited, friendly with OSU staff, or is it pretty much accepted that any coach can attend? Um, I, they're invited. Like, they, I don't think anyone can just show up. They're invited. It's part of the sales pitch, I think, for the camp. There were a couple summers that it was just OSU coaches, and this was the first one in maybe like two or three years where there were other staffs there. It's usually MAC staffs. Um, there are like a bunch of D2 and D3 schools there as well. Um, Boston College in the past came a lot when Steve Adazio was there because Steve Adazio was tight with Urban. Um, and I think it's still pretty rare to see head coaches there, but it has happened. I'm, I'm trying to – I can't remember like the most high-profile ones, but I did um, – Jason Candle, the head coach of Toledo, was at one of the camps this summer, and I thought that was funny because Ohio State's playing them this year. Um, and Ryan Day like went up to him and shook his hand and said, why are you here? We're playing you this year. Like He said it in a joking manner, but I thought it was funny. Uh, but to answer the question, yes. It's, well, usually it's not, it's not, it's not uncommon at all. I went to an SMU camp and the entire state of Texas was there except yeah. TCU. Um, and I find it to be kind of um, odd when you're there. Cause like, isn't this your competition? But for the most part, it's not your direct competition. It's not like Michigan state and Michigan are at Ohio state's camps. It's like always like a tier below and like Pitt isn't a threat to Ohio state in any, in any situation. So like, you know, that to me, makes sense but it's like other coaches from other programs come to make it more appealing for the prospects they're they're on an invitation basis and ohio state's not recruiting anybody that's a threat to them in any way yeah i think there have definitely been other power five programs there i don't believe i've ever seen a big 10 program at an ohio state camp um i think like old miss was there one year kind of like randomly but anyway yeah it's not it's not out of the ordinary at all 
Uh, Scarlet and Gray asked a true or false question. True or false, Ohio State recruiting will be fine as long as it signs more than one top 50 out-of-state defensive player. More than one? Yeah. True. True. I think that's probably, I think that's true. Yeah. And they have, Especially with what they have now? Yeah. They have basically one with Jason Moore. He's like number 53, but I would count that. Yeah, I count Um, that. I just like, to me, I just read the question as well. Ohio State's class be fine if Caleb Downs joins it. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The answer is true. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, here's a question from, uh, K Rob. And I, I love the train of thought here because it's, uh, it's July 12th. We're answering this question. And this question was asked before July 12th. Uh, he wrote, in my opinion, it's Alabama and Ohio state than everyone else in the sport this season. Bryce young is really good. And will Anderson might be the best defensive player I've seen, but how good, how good does OSU match up in a potential title game with Alabama? <laughs> you ever Alabama scouting report ready? Oh yeah. Uh, do I need it? <laughs> uh I'll I'll correct one part of the question. Will Anderson is uh oh well, he said maybe the best player he's seen. Will Anderson is definitely the best player in college football. Um and I very much want to watch Will Anderson against Paris Johnson. That would be great. Sign me up for that tomorrow. Um otherwise, like I don't know. I don't I, I don't know how I don't know if Ohio do. State would want to watch that, to be honest. <laughs> I don't think anyone would wants to wants to watch their tackle try to block Will Anderson, but I would like to watch it. because uh, Will Anderson is a freak. Yeah. Um I voted for him for the Heisman last year. I know I did not, and it haunts me. I should have. Got, it, got, it's because you're a simpleton. No, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I am, I am. Well, I am. I am a. I am a simpleton. <laughs> that's right. Um, I just got. I got too caught up in the Brace Young stuff. It was. It was wrong. Um, Will Anderson was the best player in college football last year, and will be again this year. It makes um, sense because, I mean, how do you not get caught up in, in what they did in the in the SEC championship game? You know, right. I just. Right. I get it. I don't know. Um, I just want to be a part of the day when the when the um, Heisman voting isn't so lame. And I feel like if like every single year we get more and more people voting in a new way, that like eventually the Heisman Trophy will actually be open to everybody. And I think that's more fun than like who are the five quarterbacks that are at the biggest programs and here are the five uh, most likely to win it. It's like there's no thought into it at all. Right. And I like yeah, I want to be right. in a world where it's like the best defensive end in college football who plays at South Carolina wins a Heisman. You know, it doesn't just have to be like the best player on Alabama's roster every year. I think that's right. Although maybe it should be this year. Um, we'll see. I, I, mean, don't, like, I wonder like, if like, Bryce Young's going to win it again. I I would think not. My guess would be no. I would not. Yeah, because people it. don't like people don't um, like to repeat bet or repeat uh, vote. People don't like to repeat vote, and I wonder that offense was a lot of Bryce Young and Juice Man last year, and I think that offense is going to be like a whole lot of Jameer Gibbs this year. Yeah. Um. So, I think it'll it'll look a little different. Every single time Ohio State ends ends up playing or Ohio Alabama, or we talk about Alabama on the roster, just like oh my god, these are all kids that Ohio State recruited. Yeah, it's just like uh, Jameer Gibbs on Alabama's roster right now is so funny to me. Jameer Gibbs running behind J.C. Latham. Yeah. <laughs> Two guys who uh, probably should have been in the Ohio State. Who were favorites to go to Ohio, St- <laughs> Ohio State at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as the matchup to answer the question, like I, I clearly we don't have good answers on that now because it's just like way early. Um, I at the moment, given given what Ohio State's weaknesses were last year and like, I guess in the name of not just assuming everything is butterflies and roses um that offensive line against ohio state which amir gives it running back i think could maybe not end well for ohio state at the moment ask me again in like october maybe i feel differently um and then will anderson is uh terrifying so and like in a way that he could just wreck your total game plan especially if you're a team like ohio state that wants to drop back and throw it around the yard the way they do so um not great. I, well, not, I shouldn't say not great. Like, I don't think like Alabama is worlds better than, than Ohio state, but if I were ranking the two teams right now, I'd rank Alabama f- ahead of them. Yeah. I'm with you on all that. Uh, question from, uh, D E J R eight fan, Ohio. Um, did you is it, is it like a funny spelling of degenerate? Degenerate. 
I think that's what that is. Did nice. you, there's no N. We like the generator here. I just think it's touch me, Jim fan, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, like a really hard one to answer. If you were if you were to rank Ohio State funding from boosters, where would it rank in relation to other programs? Like we're not super, like, we're not privy at all to like the information. You like, just say programs. probably top ten percent and be good with it. Like yeah, I think it's I think it's near the top. I think the I think the booster situation in the South is different than it is up here. Like I don't, and it depends on the program. Like. There's a shit ton of oil money at Texas A&M that Ohio State doesn't have. Like, but there are plenty of rich people who care about Ohio State football who are willing to give their money to the program. So, like, it might be different and structured differently or organized differently. I don't think Ohio State suffers from a lack of uh, booster support relative to its peers in college football. Right. Maybe I'm wrong at thinking that, but I just I don't. At least like not in some kind of like super tangible way. I don't. Yeah, think I'm case. with you. Uh, last question uh, from New Albany Buckeye. Um, if during the Ohio State Toledo game this season, both Ari and Bill had to play every snap at one position, and it can't be special teams, Ryan Day could choose which positions to place you in, but the opposing coaches know going in with a week to prepare. Would Ohio State win, and what positions would Ryan Day put us at? That's a really funny question, and I think I know the answer. <laughs> uh, what's your answer? An offensive skill position. And just not throw us the ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or like running back. Maybe not running back, but like uh, No, why yeah. why not running back? You can just line up two and just not hand me the ball. Because you gotta be able to run you gotta be able to run the rock. Oh, it's Pass Toledo. Rush. Never mind. It's yeah. Toledo. Yeah, it's Toledo. I don't think that they do need to run the rock against Toledo. Yeah, it's, it's Toledo. I mean, um, all the actual answer is that would be enough to lose any game to anybody if they could just exploit the one weak link. It's like you definitely wouldn't want to be a corner, right? Corners no. out. You, you couldn't be any defensive lineman because they would just run right to that gap every play. That's right. You don't want to be, uh, I mean, I guess like not a linebacker or maybe linebacker because we're big. I think but the like answer even is then receiver. We get our, I think the answer has to be receiver <laughs> and like just hope that they're, uh, the other two receivers that are playing the entire game are so much better that they couldn't get covered. And I think that's what would happen. Hope, the, hope the, they the, would the, bother the, to cover us. Yeah. The question, and if they didn't cover us, I think we would both be athletic enough to catch a pass with nobody around us and run seven yards. I think I could catch a pass and then run five yards out of bounds. Yeah. Which is just I, like, I think that like if, yards. if I think that they would have to, if we played receiver, it is the only position on the field where they would have to respect our presence. Yeah. Cause they don't want to just give up five if you yards. Just, if you, yeah. Like I said, you can't leave them alone. Cause if you just throw us the ball and everyone's around, I could catch the ball and run it for 15 yards. Like I'm not going to house it, but like you can't ignore it. So, um, and then you have too many you have and like it's the type of team they're playing that physically just can't cover the other two guys. So it's like Jackson Smith and the Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ari Wasserman. It's like <laughs> they're still not going to be able to cover them, right? No, I don't think so. Or just like run opposite direction of where I'm lined up every play. Yeah, you're isolated opposite opposite Marvin Harrison. Do you Jackson think Smith and Jigba's in the slot? Do you think if Ohio State played Toledo, and you had to play corner that Ohio State would lose? If I had to play corner? No, I don't think they'd lose because they would just give, they could just give me safety help. And that safety would be working all, all day. Um, what position would it be where they would lose? Quarterback. <laughs> you get a week to prepare? <laughs> Absolutely quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, or or left tackle because then I, I didn't just even get consider whoever. quarterback because it's just like <coughs> <coughs> left tackle would be pretty rough. Put, put, I'm just trying to think. Put me a left tackle. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Like, if you is there a single position that plays every snap that Ohio State can overcome and beat a Big Ten team with you playing it? I mean, maybe if like I was at defensive tackle and just like getting my ass kicked all game, they could somehow overcome that. Um, maybe, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think you. I think that the other team would just run up the middle every play. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they could overcome it. That's so funny. I like all these questions of <laughs> of like what regular people would do and if put into positions to be very athletic. Now I want to play fast. Uh, they have like I saw 
like this this thing that the um the foundation is doing the the nil collective is like having this massive like event for big time donors and like if you if you donate like ten thousand dollars you get to like shake ryan day and chris holman's hand and get a picture taken with them like i think if people donate that kind of money they should be able to call a series like against arkansas state give them a headset let them get down there call some gaps games <laughs> wasn't trying i tried really hard not to sound like a dick because i know that sometimes people like leave mean reviews about me but what i, I don't know how to say this the right way so maybe i shouldn't say it maybe but you I, shouldn't I, say I have it. to say it <laughs> Why would you pay a hundred grand to shake someone's hand? I think it's less about that and just more about it's, it's the okay. status of it. It's the status of it, I think. Okay. And I think if you have a hundred grand to give, then like a hundred grand is nothing to you. Um, no, I know, but Lisa, like, like Lisa the idea hope, of like that's the case. You give a hundred thousand dollars, you get to come to this cool banquet, and you get to shake Ryan Day's hand. Who won't remember your name five minutes after he shakes it? It's like that. That's I, I, I bet if you of, give a hundred thousand dollars, Ryan Day might remember your name. Yeah. I wonder what the threshold. That would be a good mailbag question. How much money do I have to donate to Ohio State's football program for Ryan Day to respect me? <laughs> Six figures for sure. A hundred grand. A hundred grand might be low though. A hundred thousand dollars doesn't really get you much. What's yeah. that? Six recruiting trips for multiple for two assistants, and then it's over. That's like uh, how much money did it cost? It cost me like two thousand bucks to go to the Elite Eleven. So fifty trips like that, a hundred thousand dollars can get hundred thousand dollars get you like two weeks of your staffs on the road. Well, in this case, it gets you like a, like a couple of like maybe like low four star offensive linemen, or one treadmill that runs underwater for some reason. Yeah, or that. Yeah, yeah, or the masks that they wear for high altitude. Yeah. Nice uh, cryo chamber, maybe. No, how much are cryo chambers? Probably expensive as hell. But my favorite thing in the entire world about like thinking about Ohio State and all the money that they spend is just like how when it comes to cold tubs, it's just some rubber thing they got at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like all like it's literally thing. rubber made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of all these things that they have in this building that are just like upper edge technology. It's like if you're practicing and it's hot outside and it's over with, just go lay in that tub that we got from a pig trough and just go sit in it with ice. <laughs> the, thing, the thing people keep their beer in on the 4th of July. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny to me. Um, but I don't know if they do that anymore. Like maybe they just sit in the cryo chamber. No, they do it because they had them out uh, at the at the football camps. They were like all over the place. They're yeah. still around. Yeah. Yeah. It's low. It's low. It's low tech. Yeah. But effect, but effective. effective. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like the personification of those tubes that you put on your legs after you do leg workout. Have you seen those things? <laughs> I have seen those. Yeah. The hockey players use them, right? Yeah. I want to try them out. I don't know what they do, but I was. I don't know what they do, but I just feel like I feel like I would look like I'm in shape if I put them on my body. (laughs) Had a hard workout. Yeah. Except not really. Just been sitting here. All right. Uh, Thank you for the five star reviews. Uh, Please feel free to leave more with questions, and we will gather them up and answer them in a later episode. Uh, I am going on vacation next week, but we will have an episode. Where the hell are you going? I'm going uh, to see some family. I'm going to. uh, You didn't clear that with me. I'm going to the Jersey Shore. Yeah. Are you guys gonna are you gonna hit that uh, that pizza spot? Probably Sam's Pizza Palace. Yeah. Sam's Pizza Palace. Did I? I didn't tell you. Uh, so my, uh, my no one cares about this, but you would. Uh, my uh, my father lives there and he's retired, but he still like wants to work to keep busy. So he became a pizza delivery guy. Why? Just to, Just get, to stay get busy. Some extra cash. Yeah, stay busy. Get some extra cash in his pocket. Does he like it? Yeah, he loves it, and and it gets like discount pizza. My father told me that he was interested in becoming a UPS driver. Oh, that's interesting. For the same exact reason. It's like they don't need the money, but like just kind of wants to, you know, occupy his time. And then that lasted like a day <laughs> of him think thinking about it. He didn't. Yeah. But like, I'm just like, I'm wondering, like, that's a pretty interesting phase of life of worked hard my entire life. I'm financially fine. If I never work again, what can I do to, to preoccupy myself would be an interesting thought. Yeah. Pizza delivery yeah. guy seems like miserable. He does it a couple nights a week. I don't know that I'd want to knock on random people's doors anymore. Unless now, because COVID, you can just drop it off at their doors. Yeah, it's like all done on like a, like an app. Yeah, it's like there's... It's yeah. even like even and I guess being a pizza delivery driver is so much easier now that there's GPS. Could you imagine doing it in like 1991 and you have to like map out everyone's <laughs> you know, roads? Map on your steering wheel? Yeah. Yeah. He's in a small town on the beach, I think. <coughs> I wanted to get, tell you one... Oh, go ahead. And then I want to tell you something. Tell me. So on my vacation, I went to a place in Palm Beach, Florida called Pizza Al Fresco. 
And this place was delicious, but they were known for something that I thought was kind of odd and I was almost kind of forced to order. And then we did. It was a seafood pizza. Mm. And I was like, can we just get a pepperoni one too, just in case? Because that doesn't sound good to me. And it was like grilled calamari, mussels, and like pieces of crab meat on this pizza. And instead of it being tomato sauce, it was olive oil and and fresh mozzarella. And like, I was like, this... They just said seafood pizza. It's kind of sounds weird. Just eat it. You're going to love it. It was freaking delicious. I think I can get on board with that. I was wondering because I like you can eat mussels and red sauce and you can eat calamari with marinara. Obviously, I wondered if there'd be that on there, but olive oil and mozzarella. The cra- like the only part of that that sounds weird is the crab. It all somehow worked because it's a different texture. Yeah. Calamari, calamari and mussels are, are kind of similar. the same. Yeah, I just like I. I like to think that I'm an explorer of pizza, uh, different types of pizza all over the country. And like yeah. this place was called Pizza Al Fresco and it was in Palm Beach, Florida. And I thought it was awesome. Shout out to them. Seafood pizza. Yeah. Sounds great. All right. Well, we are going to re- record something else to run next week. We're going to have our uh, NCAA bracket winner. <laughs> Marshall is finally going to join us uh, for, for next week's episode. Uh, we might get into some mailbag questions if we have time as well. So you can look out for that in your feeds next week. And then we'll be back together the week after that. And it's Big Ten media days. <laughs> the, season's Jeez, right, really? the season's right around the corner. So, yeah. Man, it's, it's, it's July 12th already. Shit, yeah, man. It's coming pretty fast. So, yeah, it is. Uh, a lot to get into. More more team-focused stuff, I think, coming up. We've talked a lot about recruiting, but certainly more team-focused stuff coming up. Uh, but What's Ohio then, State's opener six weeks from now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shnikes. Uh, Holy shnikes. Yeah. September six 3rd. And a half. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. It's around the corner. Go Bucks. We'll talk to you guys next time.